Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car... God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So if you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. 
What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 262. I don't know if you can hear my TV in the background. What? Pie clears the mind. I've got my Hallmark Christmas movie on the background. This is how an old lady would podcast. To me, an elderly woman or man, there's an elderly person living alone. The sound of that is them talking to you somehow with the TV blaring in the background. That is the sound of old age. Uh, And I'm doing it. Uh, hang on one second. They are just doubles or maybe different sizes, but it has nothing to do with retouch or not. So feel free to use any one of them. Okay. Sorry, guys. Just returning emails because I just started recording and... Maybe wasn't ready. Maybe wasn't ready with being done with my morning finishing emails. That's okay. Listen, who, calm down. Like, you, your podcast is perfect. Oh, my God. What can I tell you? We'll get some business out of the way. Welcome to new listeners. I would suggest going back and, I don't know, finding other... No, every episode starts. Every episode starts very familiar, as though you've been listening for... 20 years and we're just picking up where we left off and I don't describe what the show is or anything like that. I'm telling you, I think I'm going to finally make that introduction recording because new people are always finding me and I don't want them to tune into this and go, what? But if they're listening now and I have the new intro, they'll go, oh, she told me this is what it would be. So, you know what? Now that I'm imagining that I'm going to record an intro for this and put it before the podcast, I'm already relaxed. I don't have to worry about new listeners. I just talk to them. So, hey, old listeners. How you doing? I maybe we've got a little business to handle for this week. I know I sound like I'm in a great mood. I'm honestly not like for in any particular good or bad mood. I I just feel hyper and rushed and I would just need to get stuff off my plate. So, I'm getting this off my plate. A little less than a week before it's going to air. And as you might know, shit is hitting the fan with politics. Oh my God, what is going on? Trump left a tree lighting, looking like he was having a panic attack, they said. Cohen today, still still working with Mueller. People getting arrested all over the Epstein story, finally surfacing. I mean, it's like a shit storm. It's literally a shitstorm. 
Shit is going crazy. Now, you will hear my, I don't talk politics really much more on this podcast because it moves too fast. It bums people out. Um, but I will give you one of my Jen Kirkman predictions. I have said this from the beginning. Trump will leave office one of two ways. He will have some kind of health incident, maybe, I think, like an Elvis Presley moment. I've never believed. I love when Trump goes, I'm not a drinker. Maybe he's not. Some people don't drink. But that doesn't mean said people don't do drugs. In fact, a lot of people do drugs instead of drink. And I think that it's just so funny to me that everyone's like, no, he's sober. I'm like, sober is different. Sober is someone that is the disease of addiction and they had to stop. Or you, you say someone just is a teetotaler who doesn't do drugs or drink. But every time someone says anything about Trump that doesn't sound right, I always bring it back to, he was the real estate guy in New York City in the 80s. Oh, yeah. No drugs there. What are you people, stupid? Studio 54, that was a fun night out sober. What are you, out of your minds? What are you, on the prairie, little house on the prairie? What are you, what are you, the Brady Bunch? Get in reality, people. I know you could say the same thing about me. Oh, comedian doing this. She's not on coke. I've never done cocaine in my life. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. I don't trust that guy. I sniffing in those debates. I truly believe, like Elvis, that he is on. And well, first of all, his doctor, who it was admitted that, that Trump wrote his own health report that was like, is the most healthy president ever. Like it even sounded like Trump, like no one's ever been healthier. He's probably going to live to 200. Um, his blood regenerates every day. It's crazy. He's like a newborn. Um, he, uh, what was I going to say? Oh my God. What was I going to say? <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, I was just going to say something. Oh, Elvis. I believe that my, so the doctor, it, one of the stories was the doctor was uh, going up and down Air Force One, like just handing out like pills for people to sleep, pills for people to wake up. I truly believe if it's not illegal drugs, he is at least on some serious uppers and downers prescribed, just like Elvis. And just like Elvis, I bet he believes they aren't drugs because that's what people on drugs sometimes have to do to convince themselves that they don't have a problem or that they're special and different than, than your average um, uh, illegal drug user is that it's medicine or vitamins. It doesn't count as drugs and uh, it's performance enhancing or like, you know, whatever. So there's just no way there's never been uh, energy and mood altering Never not been energy or mood-altering pills inside that man. And if you still don't believe it, well, you know, what can I do? I'm not here to convince you. I'm just telling you my opinion. But usually when I say things like that, people go, he says he never drinks, though. This is even smart people that are totally against him. I'm like, okay, you dumb fuck. Can we use our own brains? Like, I feel like these days people read something and they go, I guess that's what it says. And they don't investigate with their own brains when they're reading. And then if you do that, you're called a conspiracy theorist. So I know there's a limit to how much you can question everything you read, but I think it's pretty reasonable to question this guy who's like, I've never done a drug. I don't do this. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, my prediction, the only two ways a narcissist, crazy 
person who's perhaps under the thumb of a foreign hostile enemy is he will resign or he will have a health incident like Elvis. I'm not hoping for a health incident like Elvis. I'm actually truly not. If anyone's like, she wants him to die in the toilet. I actually don't. I want him to live a long life until age 100 in prison. I don't want him to drop dead on the toilet from the strain of pooping from the opioid constipation and have a heart attack. I actually do not want that. Too easy. Gets off too easy on that one. I want him in prison and I want to enjoy it and I want to think about it every day. So there's that. But I do think the people that support him, and I am related to many, I know the psychology, he can literally do anything. These people are not backing down now. He could go into their homes and steal their Christmas tree like the Grinch and they would convince themselves that he's only taking it to give to the poor and isn't he a wonderful man just like Al Capone handed out turkeys on Thanksgiving. Listen to me, people. This is what I think. He will resign and he will say, Something because his bis ultimately it's his shady business dealings that are going to take him down from uh, Southern District of New York's investigation, which can't be pardoned and don't really follow the same rules as other things. So uh, that'll bring him down. So business will be at the top of mind. Business, businesses, business associations. His what's already happening right now with Trump Tower in Moscow, where they found out he was lying about it. Well, they knew he was lying about it, but they proved that he was lying. And Michael Cohen is now snitching and, you know, all this stuff. So the word business is just kind of out there in the ether. Even people who don't pay attention to politics are just, oh, Trump business, something shady business. business, business. He's going to say, I have to resign because I have business. Because he already said something similar to it on a press junket this morning. He was babbling doing that thing like, I never said I had business there. Okay, so I have business there. So what? I wasn't going to do business there. You make good money. I have a feeling he will resign and say some, this is like the nice version of what he'll say if he wants to look like a good person to, uh, not to anyone with a, like a half a brain, but he'll say, uh, Trump is, he'll say Trump. Well, he will say Trump. He will talk about himself in third person. He'll say he's resigning because you know what? Politics is too much of a swamp. The Democrats, ever since they got in, I can't, I cannot in good conscience do this. The swamp is back. I do better in the private sector as a businessman. That's how I help America. I create jobs and I make steel. He'll bullshit some bullshit. And everyone will be like, ah, and they'll totally believe it. Or the other version will be even less um, altruistic sounding. And again, it won't matter to his fan base. He'll just say, you know what? I made more money in the private sector as a businessman. I'm going back. And they'll be like, we totally agree. Now, I know he might want to stay in the White House because that might keep him out of jail longer. But I think at a certain point, a narcissist cannot go through trials. And so he will either nuke the world <laughs> or he will resign. And I don't think there's any other two options. I really, truly don't. I think that they will convince him to resign. I think even Putin would want him to step down. 
I know you guys. Mike Pence is worse. Mike Pence was handpicked to be VP by Manafort, who's literally working with Putin. So add that to your math. When I explain to you, Pence won't be long for that title either. Like, yes, he's also terrible. This isn't a normal situation where we're now going to have President Pence for a few years. It's not happening. That's why everyone's freaking out about Speaker Nancy Pelosi. If you people could listen to me for once in a while is that Nancy Pelosi would be in line to be president if all these fools got out. That's the Speaker of the House is, is in line to be president if president and VP are gone, right? So that's why you saw even people on the left trying to get her out because the people on the left, again, this is where people think I'm a conspiracy theorist. It's not a conspiracy theory. Active measures like Russian active measures and disinformation is disseminated throughout the internet for all to enjoy, the left, the, the right. It's usually the two further sides of each group that fall for it because these people are emotional, okay? So I'm not saying anyone who wanted Nancy Pelosi to not be the speaker was actively participating in active measures. What I'm saying is they didn't even know they were influenced by it. Because active measures don't go, we're active measures. We want Pelosi not to be speaker for nefarious reasons because we fear she will be president in an interim way. And this whole jig is up. That's not what active measures says. Active measures says things like, you know, is Nancy Pelosi a corporate Democrat? She's worth a lot of money. And we need young new blood in there. That's what active. Me- and then you think, oh, that sounds good. I want young people and people of color. And they play to the liberal in you who start saying these things when you don't realize how liberal her record is. And she used to be scary to the Republicans because of how fucking liberal she was. Now she's scary to liberals because she's too conservative. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So that's why there was this hoopla around Pelosi. Otherwise, who gives a shit who the speaker is if you don't think there's a chance she could get very close to having to serve as the president when these fools go down? That's all I'm saying. I don't want to get too much in politics on this podcast because to the untrained ear, it sounds like conspiracy theory corner, and it's not. It's just someone who's really fucking well-versed in how this stuff works because I was a victim of active measures, and uh, I lost uh, some business opportunities over it, and I was harassed on the internet since 2015 when I woke up and realized that Bernie Sanders uh, has some explaining to do, and I simply asked questions and from there was attacked. So I'm telling you, I have a vested interest in this stuff. And because I was once a victim of active measures, I, in the sense that I was uh, bought into all the wrong people. And I'm sure you heard about it uh, on this podcast. Man, I wish I hadn't started with a political rant at the top, because again, these new, I don't, who are these new listeners I'm obsessed with currently? This is how the ADD brain works. Like, this is a little obsession today. Just a little holding on to these new listeners. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So here's the business up top for every episode. Um, If you want to buy my new album, Just Keep Living, you can download it on iTunes. There is a 17-minute bonus track where I take you inside the joke of, like, what each routine, you know, how much of it is true, blah, blah, blah. It's really fun. You can buy that as a complete album on iTunes. It's uh, digital, obviously. And I think it's a great Christmas gift. Um, Or if you want to go through my record label, A Special Thing Records, 
They will send you a digital download card and a free signed poster, my poster of me that says, uh, I meditated, I meditated today, motherfucker. So if you're interested in what all of that looks like, you can go to my website, jenkirkman.com, and you can click comedy albums. And the information and all the links are right there. You can just go right now and buy with the poster and the download card. I believe, of course, it will arrive in time for Christmas. My merchandise store at T Public. Again, if you go to um, Twitter at I Seem Fun Podcast, the pinned tweet will have the link to my uh, T Public store or go to jenkirkman.com, click shop. We have some new designs. We have some fun things. Uh, there's a there's a design that says I hate fun with all these like Christmas lights going through it. And then there's I'm just a soul trapped in a body, but he has a Santa hat on and it says I'm just a jolly old soul trapped in a body. I love them. They are really fun pillows or sweatshirts. I bought a couple of them as sweatshirts to wear during the Christmas season. So uh, just go there right now. And there's always a sale going on. You can always try the code I seem fun at checkout. Um, intermittently when there's not another sale going on, you can use that code, I believe, on things that aren't on sale already. So there's that. And that should give you 30% off. It just depends on the item. So go check that out. And if you have any anything you want me to talk about, any articles you think are interesting or what are my thoughts on this or you want some advice, send an email to iseemfun at gmail.com. I do listener email episodes all the time. The emails have slowed down a little bit because I don't think I've reminded people that I'm happy to hear uh, what you want me to talk about. And that's that. Um, so this thing I just read an article about and I was like, what is crazy to me? I love stuff like this. I think it's so cool. I've only read the headline because I like to read things with you guys. The article says, oh, stop. Okay, the article says, strange earthquake waves rippled around the earth and nobody knows why. It's from National Geographic. Love this. Instruments picked up the seismic waves more than 10,000 miles away, but bizarrely, no one felt them. All right, so what the hell's going on? I don't know. Let's read. On the morning of November 11th, just before 9.30 UT, what time zone is that? Am I stupid? Am I revealing my stupidity? She wants us to believe her political views, and she doesn't even know what UT time zone is. Okay, well, I'm looking it up. Mountain Standard Time. Time zone in Utah. Oh, no, Universal Time. What the fuck? Universal time is a time standard that reflects the average speed of the Earth's rotation. It is not measured by clocks, but by looking at the stars. Do you know that I really wasn't familiar with this? So right now I'm taping this podcast um, on Thursday, November 29th at, in L.A. Right now it's 1 p.m. Uh, but I'm looking at this clock according to coordinated universal time. UTC is the common time standard across the world. It is 21 hours, which is what? Uh, 9 p.m.? 9 p.m. Weird. Okay. I never knew this. I feel like a stupid, dumb fuck. Universal time is a solar time standard that reflects the average speed of the Earth's rotation. 
using the prime meridian at 0% longitude as a reference point, and who doesn't? I mean, I use that every day as a reference point. It shows the actual length of an average solar day on Earth, which is the time from one solar noon to the next. Okay, that, that makes sense. So it's, it's Earth time as opposed to time time, clock time. During a solar day, our planet completes a full rotation around its axis in relation to the sun. A solar day is a little longer than 24 hours on average. Okay. So despite being defined as a solar time standard, universal time is usually measured by the stars. This ensures a higher degree of accuracy. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, there you go. So this event took place 9.30 universal time, which, now that I've done the math, would be 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in California. Great. So you're like, what was the article even about? Let me take it back. Strange waves rippled around the world and nobody felt them or knows why. So on the morning of November 11th, a mysterious rumble rolled around the world. The seismic waves began roughly 15 miles off of the shores of Mayotte, a French island sandwiched between Africa and the northern tip of Madagascar. The waves buzzed across Africa, ringing sensors in Zambia, Kenya, and Ethiopia. They traversed vast oceans, humming across Chile, New Zealand, Canada, and even Hawaii, nearly 11,000 miles away. These waves didn't just zip by. They rang for more than 20 minutes. I don't really know what that means. I bet we'll find out. And yet, it seems no human felt them. Only one person, one person, noticed the odd signal on the U.S. Geological Survey's real-time seismogram displays. An earthquake enthusiast who uses the handle at Matariki Pax saw the curious zigzags and posted images of them to Twitter. So he's not even, like, employed by someone that's supposed to do this? He's just an enthusiast? Wait. That small action kicked off another ripple of sorts as, oh, that, so him doing that kicked off a ripple effect of researchers as researchers around the world attempted to suss out the source of the waves. Was it a meteor strike, a submarine volcano eruption, an ancient sea monster rising from the deep? I didn't say that. That is written in this. Don't start yelling at me. I don't think I've seen anything like it, says Goran Ekstrom, a seismologist at Columbia University who specializes in unusual earthquakes. It doesn't mean that in the end the cause of them is that exotic, he notes. Yeah, here they always say that. I've never seen anything like it. This is wild. Fairies exist. On the other hand, it doesn't mean it's anything weird. Oh, shut up. Can we have some goddamn fun on this planet? It's weird. It's weird. Yet many features of the waves are remarkably weird. Oh my God, I didn't even know that was going to say that. And that was the next sentence. That was the next sentence. See? Synchronicity, synchronicity. I'll give you synchronicity. It's your turn to clean the sink. That's my boss. I'm a dishwasher. And he's mad at me. I'm a, I'm a dishwasher at a, at a hotel. And I desperately want to be in the show. The hotel has a little cabaret. And, uh, you know... There's a cabaret singer, and, I, and I've learned all the words to her songs, and I do my dances, and I look out from the window in the kitchen, and I'm washing my dishes going, synchronicity, synchronicity, because I'm, I'm writing a musical in my head about rhythm and dance and earth waves 
And my boss is like, I'll give you synchronicity. I just put some more dishes in your sink, Renicity. Go clean it. And my name is Renicity. Oh, what a great music. You would watch that musical. Okay, here we go. Uh, Yet many of the features of the waves are remarkably weird from their surprisingly monotone low-frequency ring to their global spread. And researchers are still chasing down the geologic conundrum. Why are the low-frequency waves so weird? Well, in a normal earthquake, the built-up tensions in Earth's crust release with a jolt in mere seconds. This sends out a series of waves known as a wave train that radiates from the point of the rupture, explains Stephen Hicks, a seismologist at the University of Southampton. The fastest traveling signals are primary waves, or P waves, which are compression waves that move in bunches, like what happens to an extended slinky that suddenly gets pushed at one end. Next come the secondary waves, or the S waves, which have more of a side-to-side motion. Both of these so-called body waves have relatively high frequencies, Hicks says, a sort of ping rather than a rumbling. Finally, chugging along at the end comes slow, long-period surface waves, which are similar to the strange signals that rolled out from Mayotte. For intense earthquakes, these surface waves can zip around the planet multiple times, ringing Earth like a bell, Hicks says. However, there was no big earthquake kicking off the recent slow waves. Adding to the weirdness, Mayotte's mystery waves are what scientists call monochromatic. Most earthquakes send out waves with a slew of different frequencies, but Mayotte's signal was a clean zigzag dominated by one type of wave that took a steady 17 seconds to repeat. It's like you have colored glasses and are just only seeing red or something, said Anthony Lomax, an independent seismology consultant. No offense, is that the best analogy? That actually made what he's talking about more confusing. Okay, but we're going to talk about Mayotte. That's, again, the place in France that this originated, uh, the volcanic roots. Based on the scientific sleuthing done so far, the tremors seem to be related to a seismic swarm that's gripped Mayotte since last May. Hundreds of quakes have rattled the small nation during that time, most radiating from around 31 miles offshore, just east of the odd ringing. The majority were minor trembles, but the largest clocked in at magnitude 5.8 on May 15th, the mightiest in the island's recorded history. Yet the frequency of these shakes has declined in recent months, and no traditional quakes rumbled there when the mystery waves began on November 11th. Huh. The French Geological Survey is closely monitoring the recent shaking, and it suggests that a new center of volcanic activity may be developing off the coast. Mayotte was formed from volcanoes, but its geological, well, it says volcanism, but its geological beasts haven't erupted in over 4,000 years. Instead, BRGM's analysis suggests that this new activity may point to magmatic movement offshore, miles from the coast under thousands of feet of water. Though this is good news for the island inhabitants, it's irksome for geologists since it's an area that hasn't been studied in detail. The location of the swarm is on the edge of the maps we have, says Nicholas Telefer, head of the Seismic and Volcanic Risk Unit at BRGM. There are a lot of things we don't know. And as for the November 11th mystery wave, he says, 
It's something quite new in the signals on our stations. 11-11-18. Is there any numerology you guys can get from this? Maybe that'll, that'll answer this. Motion in the ocean. Though baffled, scientists aren't without leads. For one, they know that Mayotte is on the move. Since mid-July, GPS stations on the island have tracked it sliding more than 2.4 inches to the east and 1.2 inches to the south. Using these measurements, the agency estimates that a magma body that measures about a third of a cubic mile is squishing its way through the subsurface near Mayotte. Weird. So this is like volcanic material is like pushing its way through. The early period of rumbling was also overprinted with what seemed to be the P and S waves of tiny tremors, explains Lomax, who spotted the faint pings by filtering out the low-frequency signals. Such pings are commonly associated with magma moving and fracturing rock as it squirts through the crust. But even those signals were a little strange, says Helen Robinson, a PhD candidate in applied volcanology at the University of Glasgow. Do you get what they're saying? That it's almost like this volcanic mud is pushing through the surface, cracking through, which could make it shift a little bit, which explains things. And then this woman comes in and is like, it actually doesn't. And then here's what she's about to say. They're too nice. They're too perfect to be nature, she jokes. Although she quickly adds that an industrial source is impossible since no wind farms or drilling are taking place in the deep waters off of Mayotte's shores. Huh. This Elkstrom guy thinks that the events on the morning of November 11th actually did begin with an earthquake of sorts equivalent to a magnitude 5 tumbler. It passed by largely unnoticed because it's what's known as a slow earthquake. These quakes are quieter than their speedy cousins since they come from a gradual release of stress that can stretch over hours, minutes, or even days. That same deformation happens, but it doesn't happen as a jolt, he says. So these slow types of quakes are often associated with volcanic activity. A similar thing happened, blah, blah, blah. So what is actually causing the super slow vibrations at Mayotte? A submarine eruption could produce those low rumblings, but evidence for such an event has yet to materialize. Most current guesses revolve around resonance in a magma chamber triggered by some type of subsurface shift or chamber collapse. The resonance itself can be any type of rhythmic motion like sloshing of the molten rock or a pressure wave ricocheting through the magma body. Studying the intricate features of the seismic waves could yield clues to the size and shape of the molten material lurking below. Helen says it is very difficult really to say what the cause is and whether anyone's theories are correct. It's like a music instrument, says Jean-Paul. Um, the notes of a music instrument, whether it's grave or very pitchy, depends on the size of the instrument. Oh, that's an unhelpful statement that really is neither here nor there. The signal's odd uniformity could be in part due to the surrounding rocks and sediments. This Lomax guy adds, perhaps the local geology is filtering the sounds and only letting this single 17-second wave period escape. Helen Robinson agrees with this idea. I like this Helen Robinson. She's like my new Dr. Persons. I know I haven't updated you guys on Dr. Persons in a while. It takes a lot of energy to out of the blue want to do one of those episodes. I'm really sorry. It just, it has to strike me. I never plan them. 
Um, Helen Robinson agrees with, I know right now is a perfect opportunity for Helen Robinson and Dr. Berber persons to meet, but I just can't, I like can't get it up as the kids say, do kids say that? Robinson agrees with this idea, noting that the geology here is extremely complex. Mayotte sits in a region crisscrossed by ancient faults, including fracture zones from the final breakup of the southern supercontinent, Gondwana. What's more, the underlying crust is somewhat transitional, shifting between the thick continental crusts and the thinner oceanic crusts. Perhaps this complexity drives the simplicity of the escaping waves, she says. For now, though, the lack of data makes it tough to say more. Hicks's preliminary models hinted that the waves emanated from subsurface inflation rather than a magma chamber draining or collapsing. But with a little additional data, the model flipped and pointed to a chamber deflation instead. Yeah, I think what happened was all the dudes were like, this is what it is, I know what it is. And Helen comes in and she's like, no, honeys, I don't think it's that. Here's some additional data. Helen Robinson knows what's up. It could also be a bit of both, notes Robinson. Some collapse mechanisms, you could get inflation and deflation occurring at the same time. Or sometimes they can alternate, pumping up and down like Earth's fiery lungs. Well, we don't know. The BRGM plans to do ocean bottom surveys to get more detailed info about the region and investigate the possibility of a submarine eruption. I thought they just said there's no possibility. And then later they go, oh, maybe it's that. Well, was there a submarine or wasn't there? Whether the cause is ordinary or extraordinary remains to be seen. This Lomax dude says, but the, the science and the fun is in the chase. So that, that is true. Depending on what field and what time in history, 99% of the time it's ordinary or noise or a mistake and 0.1% of the time it's something. But that's just the way it goes. That's the way it should go. That's scientific advance. That makes sense. Like as much as I want it to be something otherworldly and like spiritual and weird, it's like if it is that, then that doesn't advance us scientifically. If they study this and they learn something and then we have just advanced further scientifically, which is what I want for society. I don't need it to be a collection of random occurrences that we learn nothing from. So you know what? This article changed my mind on what I want it to be. At first, I wanted it to be some kind of like earth-shifting collective unconscious. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, or hopefully the scientists will figure it out. There you go. There you go. Oh, my voice has been so shitty lately. Okay. Well, I hope that was it. all interesting. Probably wasn't. Probably wasn't. Listen, you know what is interesting. What is interesting to me is the thoughts we think in our head every day that are almost like unconscious, if that makes sense. They, they make up who we are based on the way we were raised, things we kind of won't let go of that don't serve us anymore. And I, oh my God, I want to talk about my Bruce Springsteen conversion. That's right. This article in Esquire magazine is so genius, so genius. And Bruce has been in therapy for decades. And that's why I love our next sponsor. Not because of that Bruce has been in therapy for decades, but I just, I mean, this time of year, 
I know you're all very busy. But the busier you are, the less you attend to the rumblings in your own earth's crust, you will feel worse and worse and you will overeat and you'll be reaching for the sugar. How about you've got like five weeks left, four weeks left of the year to get it right. Why don't you start now? You can get a couple sessions in before you see your family at Christmas. Do it with Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere, anytime. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. You can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. Get something off your chest. Talk about everyday challenges at work or at home. Just chat about life. There's no commute. You don't have to go anywhere and there's no judgments. Remember, therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It can also be practical everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to. They are trained to listen and they help you make positive changes. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges and feelings that we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to talkspace.com slash Jen, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash Jen and use code Jen, J-E-N, to get $45 off of your first month. There you go. Make this your first month. One month left of 2018. Talkspace.com slash Jen. Okay, so I'm a Springsteen convert. Um, I know I was talking about, I mean, let's all, let's all go back to the notion that a lot of this podcast is performative. And you know when you have a wrong thought, like you just know your opinion's wrong, but you're just like, I'm not budging from it because it's fun. It's like fun to be wrong. I don't mean about important things like, like I disagree that the president signed that law into effect. It's like, we can't disagree about a fact. But I never, Bruce Springsteen never did it for me. You know, I like rock and roll. I always thought his songs were a little too top 40 cheesy to really, I didn't feel like I was rocking out the way I do to like the Ramones or punk music or even more traditional um, classic rock like Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin or The Who, you know. Um, I never thought his lyrics were deep. And maybe some of the songs that have deeper lyrics, I just didn't care about the melody or the rhythm. Uh, Didn't care about his voice. He just doesn't do it for me. He just doesn't do it for me. Is the band fantastic? Do I like uh, Clarence? Rest in peace. Of course. I'm an idiot. But it's not my thing. And I always didn't really... It seemed like Bruce to me was pretty famous working musician most of his life. Now, I know sometimes the rise to fame is quick, but it's never easy. I know he really is from a working class family. I don't think it was a lie, but I I never understood his, um, like I'm working in the coal mines kind of vibe. I'm like, but you never did. So why is no one calling you out on this obvious posturing? And it bothered me. Now, it doesn't bother me that he appeals to the working class man and woman. I have no problem with that, but I just always felt like, I don't know, it bothered me. And then I would, so I said at one of my live shows, I think it was three years ago, 
God, it's almost four years ago now in, or maybe it's, th- who cares? Three or four, what's the difference? Um, three or four only makes a difference if you're talking about, ah, oh, I just dropped all my trash all over the floor, coffee grounds everywhere. Three or four, so you see how mellow I am about it though? It's like, I'll just sweep it up. Um, three or four, the number three or four only matters if you're talking about drinks or slices of pizza. Three drinks is like, whoa, I really indulged. I'm feeling it. But you're like, you know what? I can still handle tomorrow. Three pieces of pizza. You're like, all right. I definitely have to unbutton my pants one notch. That's all right. I'll go, I'll go on a power walk tomorrow. But four, four drinks you're tipping over into like, I don't remember what I said. Four pieces of pizza. Now you're like definitely going to have like a salt and carb bloat the next day. You're going to be two pounds up on the scale the next day. You're going to be. So three or four years ago, who cares, right? But I was saying at the Montreal Comedy Festival, the live taping of I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kerbin podcast, I was saying, I don't buy Bruce Springsteen's act for one second. John Cougar Mellencamp is the real, is the real like dirtbag hero America needs. Now, the Cougs, does live on a farm in Indiana, very near to where I perform uh, often at the uh, Bloomington, Indiana Comedy Attic. Um, and he smokes two packs a day, despite having had 50 heart attacks. And Bruce Springsteen lives in a little more of a cosmopolitan life, right? East Coast elite! And, um, you know, everyone I know in Bloomington, Indiana, and they, they told me this years ago, Coogs uh, is a dick. Nobody likes him. There's always been questionable rumblings, like has he been physically abusive? I still haven't had any solid proof. Of course, I would not doubt it. I'm not like not believing women. I just don't like know of a. I don't even mean a credible accusation. Like I just don't know of an actual accusation. Um, he's probably an asshole. You know. I mean, there's usually no like gentle soul that it corresponds with like, oh yeah, I've had 50 heart attacks and I still won't stop smoking. It's usually not like a gentle soul who's like that. Like that's like some Bob Fosse shit and Bob Fosse was an asshole. I mean, I still love him, but so, you know, um, so where's, where's Cougar Mellencamp from? What's his background? I don't fucking know. I don't really care. I really don't even like him that much. I just like the hits. I love Ain't That America. I love whatever the other songs are. I love maybe three Coog songs, and I love approximately zero Springsteen songs, except the cover of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which makes me cry. I don't know why. I cry in a way that I can't tell if it's joy or this is triggering some sadness in me. It's like a weird cry that like comes from my bowels. Um, and now I think I understand more why. After reading the Esquire profile on Bruce Springsteen, I, I believe it's that I'm sensing his inner child who is finally free to be a child. So I recommend you all read this interview. It will inspire you all to not think that it's ever too late for self-realization, self-analyzation, and healing our demons. And I'm really bummed. I was actually did try a couple times to see a show on Broadway because I was curious about it. I love a one-man show, even if I don't like your music. Like, 
I knew that if I saw his Broadway show, that in the moment sitting there listening to him play stuff acoustically, like whether they were songs I've liked in the past or not, like, you know, usually you see something like that and you're like, oh, I totally, I totally love this, you know? And it's often takes an experience like that where you connect with someone's music via them, maybe like what, what he does is he tells stories before it and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm sure I would have been like an official convert in listening to his music if I'd seen that show, which it comes out on Netflix, so I'll just see it then. So we'll see. But, yeah, I texted a friend of mine who's been talking about Springsteen for years. And I'm like, you were right, Steve. You were fucking right. And, um, I mean, not that I ever really seriously argued in real life with people. Like, no, he sucks. But I was always just like, I know you guys love it. I don't get it. Have a great time at the concert. Like, you know, it's. I think most people don't want to go to a concert of music they don't really like. But my friend was always like, no, it's like the person that he is. I'm like, eh, whatever, it's fine. So, um, hang on one sec, hang on one sec, um, let's do this, uh, Esquire, Bruce Springsteen, okay, so let me just read you some selections, but if you go to Esquire.com, I guess that this one show, and I don't know if he probably does this in every show, but he says DNA. You know, he spent his life questioning, will I be confined my DNA by my DNA or will I define who I am? He says, all you needed to do was to risk being your true self. Okay, so he credits undergoing analysis with saving his life. When Analysis is a type of therapy. So um, I've never tried it. I've heard it's awesome. So, you know, there's therapy, there's analysis, there's all kinds of stuff. But um, this is what he says. Sorry. I'm trying to stop reading what the interviewer is saying because this guy really talks a lot. Um, I guess his father was kind of, you know, your classic, like, angry alcoholic who never told him he loved him. So, he tells me his father made him ashamed that he was not hard like him, but more like his mother. Quote from Bruce, my mother was kind and compassionate and very considerate of others' feelings. She trod through the world with purpose, but softly, lightly. All those were the things that aligned with my own spirit. That was who I was. They came naturally to me. My father looked at all those things as weaknesses. He was very dismissive of primarily who I was. And that sends you off on a lifelong quest to sort through that. Doug, Spring Doug Springsteen was a stout man. He worked a range of blue-collar jobs from floor boy in a rug mill to bus driver. Yet his primary occupation was not outside the house but inside. He dominated the family home ruling his small kingdom with silence and menace. His throne was a chair at the kitchen table. Night after night, he'd sit in the darkness, drinking and brooding. It was, Springsteen writes, I guess this is from his book, the silent, dormant volcano of the old man's nightly kitchen vigil, the stillness covering a red-misting rage. 
All of this sat on top of a sea of fear and depression so vast I hadn't begun to contemplate it. Springsteen, when asked about his childhood, tells the interviewer there was the house and then there was what was happening in the kitchen. And when you went into the kitchen, the force of what was going on there was intimidating, but you had to deal with it. So the kitchen became fright, freighted with meaning and danger. It was a dark, quiet place. The air was thick, so thick, like swimming through dark molasses. You had to make your way through and make your way out without disturbing or creating too much attention toward yourself. He said, when I was a child and into my teens, I felt a very, I felt like a very, very empty vessel. And it wasn't until I began to fill it up with music that I began to feel my own personal power and my impact on my friends and the small world that I was in. I began to get some sense of myself, but it came out of a place of real emptiness. I made music for that kitchen, but I also made music for my mother's part of the house, which was quite joyful and bright. You have to put together a person from all the stuff you've been handed. So it's kind of interesting that he feels that he had this emptiness. And until he began to feel the emptiness, he started to fill his own emptiness up with making music. And that's when he felt his personal power. And he could see the impact on his friends and the people in a small world. That didn't come from fame. That came from doing the passion which obviously he didn't do it day one and was famous. So anyone out there, you can immediately feel relief if you just do what you fucking love, even for, you know what I mean? Don't think you're going to get greater amounts of relief once you start to get paid for it. That, that doesn't ever happen. You just have to like grieve that expectation now because it'll be easier than grieving it later. Some little JK advice. Once you realize that everything that like you're running from is inside you and that you won't escape it with this, that, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing, you actually just have one job to do and that's to clear out that thing. And then you can go anywhere in life, whether you go to failure or success, you know what I mean? And you'll feel anchored. Um, but anyway, so this was the moment in the article that I went, oh, this, I wasn't wrong that there was something poserish about his working class outfits on stage and his presence. There was something that made me uncomfortable and that always bothered me. I was just wrong about his intent. And now that I know Springsteen's intent, I have such a sympathy and I think it's actually very beautiful and I see the little kid in him. So this really is what like knocked me on my ass. It was his father's distance and silence that Springsteen rebelled against. Yet, his father's identity is what he embraced. Because when Springsteen decided to adopt a rock and roll identity, what did he do? He stole his father's work clothes and his persona. If Doug Springsteen wouldn't love his true son, maybe at least he'd love a reflection of his son as himself. One of the rawest stretches of Springsteen's show comes when he sings my father's house from his sixth album, Nebraska. After Springsteen speaks of still forever being a boy who yearns for his father's love. Quote, those who love, those whose love we wanted but didn't get, we emulate them. It is our only way to get it. So when it came time, 
I chose my father's voice because there was something so sacred in it to me. All we know about manhood is what we have learned from our fathers. And my father was my hero and my greatest foe. That is so profound to me. I didn't know that he felt any of that. Um, it's amazing. So this is another story I really love. Uh, Springsteen's first breakdown came upon him at age 32, around the time he released Nebraska. In 1982, he and his buddy Matt are driving from Jersey to L.A. in an old Ford. On a late summer night in remote Texas, they come across a small town where a fair is happening. A band plays, men and women hold each other and dance lazily, happily beneath the stars. Children run and laugh. From the distance of the car, Springsteen gazes at all the living and the happiness. And then something in him cracks open. As he writes, in this moment, his lifetime, quote, as an observer, away from the normal messiness of living and loving, reveals its cost to me. He says to the interviewer, all I do know is as we age, the weight of our unsorted baggage becomes heavier, much heavier. With each passing year, the price of our refusal to do that sorting rises higher and higher. Long ago, the defenses I built to withstand the stress of my childhood, to save what I had of myself, outlived their usefulness, and I became an abuser of their once life-saving powers. I relied on them wrongly to isolate myself, seal my alienation, cut me off from life, control others, and contain my emotions to a damaging degree. Now the bill collector is knocking and his payment will be in tears. Bruce! That breakdown sent him into analysis. The work he did on himself transformed his life. Springsteen's desire to share his demons and to argue for the need he believes all of us have to confront our own demons, this is one of his show's great powers. Uh, okay. It's amazing. I just, this article is amazing. Y'all have to read it. I am just, I so get it. I so get it. Um, and I have a similar journey. That's that not, not with the dad stuff, but with the, um, just observing life, not wanting to be inserted into life in certain ways. I feel like my first special is very defensive that way and I hate it, but it was funny, but you know, uh, that kind of, you can't protect yourself from uh, being human. So yeah, I, I just loved this. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. Cause like you would read this article and you would think, oh, is this about Morrissey's life? You know, um, it's like Morrissey's lays that kind of stuff out in his lyrics. But then in real life, he's like a fucking asshole who probably hasn't worked on a goddamn thing. He's just drinks more and more and is now apparently racist and sexist and horrible. And Springsteen is like, yeah, so he's wearing a little bit of a working class costume. Um, he's doing the work. So I officially uh, am converted, Team Springsteen. But it is interesting that that costume uh, stood out to me and I didn't know it was a, it was a real psychological thing. So God bless. God bless you, Bruce. Oh, what is this shit now? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Okay, so here's the deal. One of, uh, we've got the secret Facebook group for I Seem Fun. 
Well, it's closed. It's not secret. If you can find it, you can find it. If you go to the uh, facebook.com slash I seem fun page, there is a link there to join the uh, group. But so I ask group members questions before I let them join because that just, it helps me solidify that it's a real person. And so I ask each group member, what do you find fun that other people don't? And what do other people find fun that you find stupid? And I've been keeping all your answers. Well, I just started recently keeping the answers. Um, I don't have your names, so it's all anonymous. But everyone, it seems, has a really similar personality that listens to this podcast. There's a lot of laundry lovers. So I'm going to close out the show by reading these. Um, These are things that my listeners and members of the closed Facebook group these are things that people find fun that other people do not find fun. This, these are things that I seem funners like to do that other people have made fun of them for. Dining out by myself. I enjoy my solitude. It gives me time to think. Also, I really enjoy food and can savor the heck out of it if I'm by myself. Also, no judgy McJudgersons snickering at my choices. Marching band halftime is something an I seem funner finds fun that other people don't. Yoga bath salts. French presses. Oh no, sorry. This is that's something someone finds stupid. Um, yacht rock music. I seem uh, some of you I seem funners find fun. I've always found organizing my notes very fun. I am constantly writing notes or reminders on tiny pieces of paper. And then every now and then I get down to it and collate all my notes into one notebook. It feels so cleansing. Oh my God, that sounds so fun. Reading books and eating roasted chestnuts is another I seem fun pastime. I find folding laundry fun or maybe just the sound of the dryer. Yeah, big, big one here. Organizing my closet. Podcasts and long walks. Research of any kind, that's a lie, not any, but anything I think is interesting. Aliens, queerness, and how to really do quick mental math, to name a few. Oh, what's quick mental math mean? Write me back if you want to tell me what the fuck that means. What do you find fun? Leaving a party early to go watch Netflix by myself. Laundry, like another laundry one, especially while listening to I Seem Fun. My washing machine is going right now. What do you find fun? Ironing, particularly jeans. I find they look better, plus denim is so easy to iron. Everyone else seems to complain, so when I travel with others, I offer to do all their ironing too. What do you find fun? In the month leading up to Christmas, I watch multiple versions of The Nutcracker by myself with a glass or three of wine. As a modern dancer, this slightly creepy classic ballet should make me cringe, but I still love it. What do you find fun? Laundry, especially folding clothes. Combined with listening to my favorite podcast, it's a simple pleasure bonus if I hear Jen's dryer. What do you find fun? Racing in office chairs down the hallway at work. I don't see why everyone has to be so serious. I love it. Next week, I'll read what do other people find fun that you think is stupid and uh, see if you agree with your fellow I Seem Funners on that. Now, I want to tell you guys... If you want to ask for tickets for Christmas, on sale right now. Chicago, January 17th. Phoenix, February 2nd. Arlington, Virginia Draft House, February 8th and 9th. I will not be coming to D.C. this year. Peace and love, just Arlington, Virginia. So come to that. And uh, 
Dallas, Texas, March 8th and 9th. So everybody, go get your tickets, jenkirkman.com, click tour. I'm hoping to announce about 30 more cities this year. Check you later. What? Check you later? I don't say that. Until next week, have fun.